Well, praise the Lord for His faith. All right, well, we have an opportunity to listen to the Word, and every time that we hear the Word of God and it's preached as the Word of God, you know what I'm saying, what, what it says in the Scripture, when it's proclaimed and declared, we always have an opportunity to respond to the Word of the Lord. And every time we hear it, either our hearts get more tender or in areas we can actually harden our hearts against the Word of the Lord. So it's a kind of a double-edged sword. And so my encouragement always is let's grab hold of what the Word of God says, put it into practice in our life, because true faith requires us to put things into practice. So today we're going to be talking about faith is based on promises, and we're going to go to one of the well-known chapters of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. Um, Just because Hebrews 11 is a huge, massive book, we're only going to get through six verses. But it'll get us a taste and an understanding of where we're going, and then we'll look at some of the other folks at a later point when I preach here, and then we'll see whatever Suzette or Josh preaches when they preach. But I want to talk faith is based on promises because that is this is the key thought in my mind to understand faith. So what happens is that some confuse some people confuse faith with feelings. If I feel confident, if I feel a certain way, if I if I have this this feeling within me, then it's faith. And if I have quavering and maybe a little doubt or I'm struggling, then that's not faith. But I don't believe that in, in the least bit because faith is not a feeling. Faith is, is a, 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 a trust in the Lord and placing your confidence in Him. So you can do what the Lord says. You can move forth in faith even when your feelings are opposite. Hopefully that makes sense. You know, they talk about it and, you know, you, like you hear these stories about courageous people win the Medal of Honor because they've done something on the field or something like that. And people say, oh, you're so brave, you're so heroic. But when you listen to some of the people, and they'll talk and they'll tell you that they were terrified, but they went ahead and they moved past the terror and did something that was courageous. And so it's not the feelings that we have inside of us that makes us Uh, full of faith, it's that we have a confidence and a trust in in who God is and what He said. Some people confuse faith with optimism. I'll just think positive thoughts. I'll just think good things, and that's faith. I'm I'm just going to think nice things. I'm going to think positive things. And and those kind of uh, things where, where I'm just thinking good thoughts. And that's, that's faith, but that's not necessarily faith either because it's just based upon our own thoughts, our own understanding of things. Some people believe or confuse faith with their own desires. I mean, how many of us have had dreams, maybe from when we were little kids, and we said, you know, I want the average American family with 2.5 kids and and two car, you know, I want this, and this is what I want, this is my dream for life. And we've come up with it from being a little kid, and it doesn't happen exactly how we want it. And so now, now we think if I have faith and believe in that dream, then it's going to come about. But again, that dream is something that, that 
is birthed in us and not based upon anything concrete and solid. And then there's those who believe that faith is, is in positive confession. If I speak it long enough, it'll happen. If I have confidence, you know, I, I read a lot of books. I've read, oh, you don't know how many stacks upon stacks. And you hear people all the time, just believe in yourself. Just believe and have confidence and step out and be bold and be strong and speak into existence what you want. Well, that can happen to a certain extent, but that's not faith. That's trying to bring something about through our own strength and our own ability. Positive confession in itself is something that's based on our desires and based on what we see and is not necessarily faith in the reason is, is because I'm going to explain faith from this chapter because this is called the faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. And it shows people who operated in faith and what it means to actually have faith. And so the title is, Faith is Based on Promises. And I want you to understand that this is the absolute foundational understanding of faith. So there's this H.L. I don't know how to say his name. Mention or Mencken or however you say his name. And he says this. He, he thinks faith is illogical belief in the occurrence of the impossible. So he obviously is not liking faith. He's thinking faith is just stupid. It's illogical. It doesn't make any sense because you're just believing in some supernatural thing. You're just believing in something that's impossible to take place. But I like how Warren Wearsby puts, puts it. He says, Biblical faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances. That's a good one. It's a confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances. Now, if you're in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to start going through verse by verse these first six verses, and we're going to look at some in Genesis too. But here's what the Word of God says. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So here's a little definition. Faith is the assurance of things not seen, right? Uh, things hoped for, excuse me, the conviction of things not seen. So let's take the first one. Faith is the assurance of God's promises. See, the things hoped for are the things that God has promised, the things that God has spoken. And you can tell that through all of these stories that are going to go on in chapter 11. Because God speaks forth a promise and they respond in faith. So the things hoped for are what God has promised, what God has said he would give us. And that makes it very important. Faith is based on God's promises. Hope for equals the promises. And the assurance, that word assurance, means substance. It means the underlying reality. It's like a firm foundation under our feet. 
That's kind of what that word really is picturing, is this stable foundation underneath us of God's promises. We have an assurance that comes from God. We have promises that comes from the one who is unfailing, the one who is absolutely pure, the one who is true, the one who cannot lie, the one who does not, there's no darkness that dwells within him. God is faithful, he's true, and what he says he will do, he will do. And that's the assurance that we have. It's the assurance of his promises. That's what faith is based upon. Not just our ideas or concepts. And that's where people get it wrong and they can get so disappointed because things don't seem to work the way they should. Because just like Josh says and just like some of the songs that we sing quite often, uh, especially when I'm leading, um, I like the ones that say, you know, in, in the bad times, I'm looking to you. In the good times, I'm looking to you because there is stuff that goes on. Just like the... Like, Josh read that psalm where it says, even when bad things happen to the righteous, God's going to be there. He's going to work in that situation. So, so faith doesn't mean that there's not obstacles. Faith doesn't mean that there's not bad things that happen in our lives. But faith keeps an assurance on the promises of God and looks to those promises through that stuff and, and grabs hold of them. It's the substance, and it's based on what God has said. And so we can grab hold of that and keep that in our hearts and our minds. So then the second thing that it says in this first verse is faith is the conviction of things not seen. And some, some uh, translations say evidence. Now this... What does that mean? It's the conviction or it's the evidence of things not seen. In this book, he's going to tell you story after story, this chapter. He's going to talk about Abel. He's going to talk about Enoch. He's going to talk about Noah, Abraham, Sarah. He's going to talk about um, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Brack, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets and others. He's going to tell these different stories of people who received the promises of God because of the things that they put their faith in, which is the Word of God. And so what happens is these stories are given for examples for us. When it says the conviction of things not seen... It's that, okay, God has promised me. I can't see it with my eyes. I can't feel it with my feelings. I can't really experience any of it at this exact moment because it's a promise. If God had given it to me, it wouldn't be a promise. I'd have it. But he's promising something in the future. And now I have this conviction in my heart. And now I begin to step out and trust, and believe, and move towards the promises of God. And you'll see, every single one of these people had a promise. And every single one of these people responded positively to God. And then God opened things up. That's the importance of this. 
So the people in this chapter act in faith. They don't have evidence as far as we have evidence before our eyes, but God has spoken. They have that assurance and faith that it's God who has said it, and so now I'm going to step out in faith, believing what he has said. Now, do you see how different that is from us coming up with something and then trying to move forward? This is an assurance that comes from God himself. And so we have a conviction and we step out and we believe in the name of Jesus. Very important that we get that. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 2, it says, For by it, what? Faith, this faith. By it, the men of old gained approval. So this tells us something about God. It says that faith gains God's approval. That God's looking for people who will believe him. Looking for people that will respond to him and to his call. And when people do, it gains his approval. He approves of this. He loves this. He's longing for this as far because he created us to be in relationship with him. To trust him and to believe him and to walk with him and to serve with him. And so when we begin to get a hold of that, we begin to step out. Now, you, can, you know how this works. You know when someone believes in you. You know it. You know when someone says, yeah, and then what does that do to you? Man, it encourages you, it strengthens you, and you approve of it, don't you? Say, wow, thanks. <laughs> well, God's no different. It's not like he's craving it. But he wants people to respond to him and come to him and say yes to the things that he has spoken because that's when we experience life as he intends it to be. That's where we experience the fullness of what God wants is when we step out in faith and believe him and trust him in those, all the areas of our lives. Say, Lord, you've said this, so I'm going to live it. You've said this, so I'm going to obey it. You've said this, so I'm going to step out in faith, even though I can't see. A lot of times nowadays, I, I heard this that, I can't remember who was saying it, but, <clears throat> you know, like I said, I get so much information. I remember the information, but I, hmm, I don't always remember the source. But they were talking about how the way that the schooling has changed in, in recent years over, over the last years is that kids are rewarded even when they don't perform. In other words, everyone gets the same reward. Everyone is equal. Everyone's, it's nice and, and we don't want to hurt your feelings. But it doesn't help. It doesn't train people because now they become entitled. They think, I need to have this because I'm just a human being. But, the, you know, any of the blessings that God have are based upon obedience to his word. He doesn't just pour it out indiscriminately. It says that he, he blesses, I think, everyone and calls them to himself. But if you're going to experience the fullness of what God has in your life, it's only going to be doing it through his way, 
which is faith in him and trust in the words that he has spoken to us and how we should live. That's going to release his blessing. And so when we respond in faith, when we believe the Lord, he approves of that. We gain God's approval. And I think we all want that. Well, it's, it's easy to do. Walk in obedience. Say, oh, it's hard. Well, it might be. Situations are difficult. But the choice, I think, is easy if you determine it ahead of time. I've said this a million times. God says it, say yes. God asks you to do something, say yes. Because he knows what's good for you. Say yes. Blank check, God. Yes. Yes. So then it says this in verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Now I think, isn't this interesting that he puts this in in the chapter of faith? He says, by faith we recognize, we understand that the worlds, which is everything that God's created, all the universe, all the stuff that's out there, because nothing existed prior to God calling it into being. God is the creator. The scripture reveals that God created the heavens and the earth in six days. And I believe that. I believe that. And I believe that over science. People say, well, you're dumb. (laughs) Science is proof. Do you know the scientific thing only works if you're there to see it? Do you know when they say, I have a theory, that means I have a, a guess? A theory is a guess. might be based on facts and things like that. But it's a guess. And anything that goes against the Word of God, I don't just just blindly say, oh, that's just a bunch of junk. But I have to say I'm going to believe God over any scientist because the scientist wasn't there. They weren't sitting there measuring. How did God create the world? I read this one book. (laughs) I don't know how they try to figure this stuff out. But they had it all figured out to the nth degree. One nanosecond before this took place, this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And they're talking through this whole thing of how they believe that the worlds came into being. And the worlds came into being because God spoke it into existence. That's why. And He can do it any way He wants. He spoke it into existence. We don't know how it came in, what it came into existence as, you know, because... We just, we don't know. But they're making guesses. And there's so many different guesses. And the Word of God says, God did it. God called it into being. And so I choose to believe that. And I choose to believe it because I believe in the Word of God that speaks from God to us. This Word of God's been given to us. And so faith believes what God says about a situation. It believes what he says. Even though it might go against the way we feel. Even though it might go against the way I think. 
Because what does the Scripture say? We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. If our minds aren't lined up with God's way, it's going it's to contradict that. It's going to come against it. But we have to believe what God says and begin to line our life up and our thinking up and our actions up with what He says. I'd rather I believe God before I'll believe anybody. Because He knows. Faith believes what God says about a situation. Well, most of you guys know I'm like a super Bible scholar and all that stuff. I just love this. I, you know, I, I read theology books. Yeah, big fat theology books. It's just crazy for most people. Like, what do you want to read that for? Well, I want to look at, at how people look at things and understand things. I read different commentaries. I read different things from perspectives that are totally different from mine because I want to see how they think. I want to understand what they believe. Because in order to believe the Word of God, we have to take it at face value. We have to let the Word of God shape us. And there are those who say, well, you know, the Word of God's not really God's Word. It's just a bunch of people writing stuff down. Even though the Scripture says that it's God-breathed, it's something that God did. He led prophetic people. He led people to write the Scriptures. And what we have here is what He wants to communicate to us and the truth that He has for us. And so this is... I am, I am basing my whole hope on this accuracy of the Bible, of what it says that Jesus Christ is the only God, the only Lord, the only Savior, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He's the the Savior, that He's my healer, that He's all of these things. I'm basing my life upon that. Everything. Everything. And I'm living my life different than I would live because I guarantee you I lived differently before I came to Christ. Very differently. Very differently. Filled with anger, cussing, swearing, screaming like a maniac, sniffing paint, doing drugs, selling drugs, drinking till I puke or pass out. That's, wow, that's the life. I'm basing it on this, and I like what I have right now. It's not perfect because, man, we go through stuff. Get, get that. we got to get that. We can't have this idea that following Jesus is just a piece of cake, and we, oh, just come to Jesus and la, la, la. No, you might have some of the biggest struggles of your life after you come to Jesus because there's a war that's going on that says, no, do this. And you're saying, no, I want to do this. And before, when you were, it says that when we were sinners, we didn't give a rip. Who cares? Wahoo! No fight, no battle. You just do it. But when you come to God, He starts shaping you and moving in you. So let's flip over to Genesis chapter 4. 
The examples that are coming from the book of Hebrews start out with some of the first people. First one he talks about is Abel. Now Abel's the son of Adam and Eve. And Abel has a brother named Cain. And we're going to read his story and then we're going to go back and read what it says in in Hebrews. So Genesis chapter 4 verses 3 through 8. Now it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought the firstlings of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain told Abel, his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and he killed him. Now, if you go back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. Now, a lot of people have ideas about what this means and why Abel's was better than Cain's. Why was it? Some people believe because he brought the firstlings of his flock and he brought the fat and the, and the blood and the stuff that goes with it. So he offered a sacrifice. Remember, that's what, what God did for Adam and Eve. He slew that animal. But he offered this to the Lord. And then uh, Cain offered up the fruit of the land. Now, some of the offerings that the Lord would later um, have were called wave offerings and grain offerings and drink offerings and all these things. But when it comes for your own sin, for your own person, there had to be the shedding of blood. And so I believe what took place here is that, that Cain knew this, but he didn't want to give that offering because he had to go to his brother. His brother was the shepherd, but he was the guy doing the food stuff, right? He was doing the grains and the things like that from the field. And so he came. We know for sure, and this is where we need to stick our, our thoughts, we know for sure that Cain had a bad attitude because God went to him and said, hey, you got a bad attitude. That's a paraphrase. He says, your countenance has fallen. 
But he says, you've got a bad attitude. Get your attitude right and everything will go well with you. But he refused. And so what we see here, that faith is an issue of the heart in response to God. I believe God requested this of them. And Abel came and said, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it your way. And it says, and this is the interesting thing, it's just like Abraham. It says, when he responded to God in faith, God counted it to him as righteousness. And so when Abel came and responded to God in faith, God, it says, counted it as righteousness to him. He came with a right heart. He came doing what God asked him to do. And obviously, Cain did not do what God had asked him, whether it's the grain thing or not. Beside, that's beside the point, because we don't know 100% for sure, but we do know this. He came with an attitude, and he came in a way that was unpleasing to God, because it wasn't the way God asked him to come. And so now, faith is an issue of a hard attitude that just says yes to what God says. And does what he says with a heart attitude. And that's a good thing. He offered to God what God desired with a proper attitude. So that is faith. That's what we're talking about. Because these pictures that they're giving us are giving us aspects of understanding how faith operates. Abel's a perfect picture for us, of how faith operates. God requires it. He comes and he gives it. He says yes, and he comes with the right heart and a right attitude. Now let's go back to Genesis. We'll, this time we'll be in chapter 5, and we're going to look at Enoch. So we're in Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. This is so crazy. The Bible is really interesting. It just shows a few verses. 21 through 24. This is Enoch. And he's doing it in like a genealogy. That's why if you don't read the genealogies, you miss good stuff sometimes. I know there's a bunch of names. But in this bunch of names is something cool. It says this in verse 21. It says, Enoch lived 65 years, and he became the father of Methuselah, which is, by the way, the oldest guy in the Bible. He was an old guy, 900 and some years old. It says, then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And here's the interesting part of the verse. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Enoch walked with God and he was not because God took him. Now what in the world does that mean? Well, do you remember God took Elijah? fiery chariot. Elijah didn't die. God snatched him. Whoop! He didn't die. Same thing happened with Enoch. Go to chapter 11 again and we'll go to verse 5 and we'll read about him. 
says, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. There's your proof. He didn't die. God took him into his presence before his body failed. And he was not found because God took him up. They're going, where's Enoch? Could you imagine? That'd be really weird. Somebody kidnapped Enoch. Well, it was God. He took him. And it says, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. This guy, his heart was so right with God. He walked with God for 300 years. He was so right with God. God was so pleased with him that he said, man, you aren't staying here any longer. Boop! These guys were living for hundreds and hundreds of years. He is only 365 years old. He is a young guy. God, whoop, took him. He didn't take him by a heart attack. He didn't take him by any other way. It says he took him up because he was pleasing to God. And so I think I can say this pretty safely. God is pleased with faith. God is pleased when we show him faith. When we trust in Him, when we walk with Him, when we place Him in the place that He should be as God, and us as a created one, we're sons and daughters, we're children, but we're still children of the living God. And so we can't treat Him with contempt. He's pleased when He sees that in our lives. It's just amazing. And so, of course, the next verse just proves that. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him or those who seek Him. This is interesting. He said, Without faith you can't please God. Why? Because if, if you don't have faith in God, you're rejecting His ways. You're rejecting Him. And that's where it says here, you must believe that He is. How many people do you know around you every day of your life that you come in contact with and they say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe there's a God. I'm an atheist. There's no such thing as God. And there are people who stand and say that. Well, that's not pleasing to God because they're rejecting the very one who created him. He says he's calling us to believe in who he is. And if we understand who he is, then we go back to the very front where we just began this whole sermon is that we, we believe in him, then we believe in his promises because we know who he is. We know his character. We know who God is. And so faith believes that God exists. Faith believes in God because that's the foundation of all true faith. And then it says, faith believes that God rewards those who seek Him. The emphasis on that aspect is that 
God, I'm believing you, I'm trusting you, I'm walking in your ways. You have a fullness of life that's available to me, right? God's going to reward me for being faithful. God's going to reward me for believing in him. God's going to reward me, all my effort, even though I go through all difficulties and trials and situations in life, I'm going to receive a reward from God because I place my faith in him. I put my trust in who he is. And that really becomes very important. God rewards those who diligently seek him. I just wanted to read a scripture that I don't have up there uh, because as I was thinking about faith believes that God exists, there's a passage that Jesus is talking about in the book of John chapter 3. It's a passage where he's explaining about being born again and the things that we need to, to do in order to come into the kingdom of God. We need to be born again because we're spiritually dead and we're apart from God. And so here's what, these, the, these are the words of Jesus. So he's speaking this, and he's telling them. And he says in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So Jesus came as a Savior. Now get this, remember, faith believes that God exists, right? And so now we're looking at verse 18. He who believes in him, that he's the Son of God, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And so Jesus is saying that there must be a faith in me, that I am the Savior, that I am the one who brings salvation to this world. That is, is the very basis. If you believe, then you receive life. But if you disbelieve, then... Again, just like, I don't believe in God. The other is, I don't believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And so Jesus calls us to have a faith in Him. God calls us to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ for salvation and for life. And so faith are based upon every promise. Jesus promises that every single one who comes to Him he will give the right to become children of God. To everyone who comes to him, he will give eternal life. And so these are, are the promises that we, we respond to and believe. And so all those years ago, I think it was 1979, if I remember right, I accepted Christ. I said, yes. And I've been following him ever since. And I've been allowing him to change my life. And I've been following him and doing everything I know to do to serve him. And so that makes life interesting and wonderful and challenging. <laughs> Never said that doesn't happen. So anytime I want to talk about this, these kind of things, well, like faith based on the promises. Jesus promises salvation to those who believe in Him. 
that Jesus Christ died upon the cross for the sin of the world, that he rose again from the dead so that we could have life everlasting. And so when I speak on these things, I just want to give opportunity. If there's anyone here that you've never truly placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I want to give you that opportunity today to trust in Christ for salvation, Him alone. No other thing, not your good works, not your efforts, not anything you've ever done, but to say, I'm believing you, I'm trusting you, that what you have done is enough for me. And so, if you're here and you want to do that, then I just want you to just catch my eye and just say, hey, that's me. Just kind of wave your hand at me and say, you know, I want to accept Christ right now. I want to trust and believe in Him. To place my faith in Him. In Him alone. Father, we just, we thank You for the incredible greatness of Your love and Your mercy that you have revealed yourself to us, that you have created each and every one of us, and you have called us to your side. You have called us to come to you through Jesus Christ, and we can do that. Thank you, God, for each life here. We just speak, I speak a blessing upon you, a blessing of understanding the ways of the Lord, a blessing of having a greater depth of knowledge of who he is and the greatness of his love for you. May you increase in the, in the wisdom and the knowledge of the Lord. May you increase in the things of God. May his hand be upon you and may you grow into the full stature of who Christ has made you. May you increase in him. May your yes be yes to him in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going to quickly have communion, and then we're going to go downstairs and have some food. It's soup and sandwich Sunday. Yippee! And we're going to have some goodies. So why don't we come forward? Uh, You know I loved us to come up here, because when Jesus did...